0: Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show we talk a lot about Eberron and the Artificer, as well as homebrewing adventures versus modules, which takes longer to prep. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle. And I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir.
1: Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody in chat. Let's get those levels just right. Ooh, yeah, Welcome levels. to June 1st. We 2019. Made it. <laughs> yeah, we made it.
0: Um, today is tabletop day, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Is it? I love Tabletop Day. Let me. Uh, Did I somehow miss that again? I, I always go down to my game store on Tabletop Day, and I I purchase something to support my local game store.
0: Tabletop Day is June first.
1: Yay! So we should have that on the news, should, as if we were. Yeah,
0: I. I literally, you said June first, and I just remembered because mm-hmm. I got a. I put it in my uh, Google Calendar, and it came mm-hmm. up as a as a ping. Uh, last night it was like, oh, Hey, it's, uh, it's, a uh, uh, tabletop day tomorrow. And I was like, oh, what? And so I don't know. I've got a lot of projects that I was going to work on today, but maybe I'll swing by my local, uh, friendly neighborhood gaming store.
1: And it is on my to, list like, now. now. I'm going stuff. to my, I'm going to go buy something in there. They always have something cool. Like a lot of times too, I like to go through the used, game section because there'll be a lot of used role-playing games that people brought in to get money to buy other stuff and i'll find some really good old stuff in there that's always good yeah Mm. and then i think in
0: a couple weeks it's free rpg day yes um which i went last year or two no yeah it was last year or two years ago anyway they had a kids on bikes pamphlet and that started my obsession with kids on bikes was at Mm -hmm. free rpg day so kids on bikes people uh renegade games free rpg day you guys succeeded in one customer with that so good job
1: yeah because you bought a bunch more stuff yeah after i bought that. a lot and of stuff been bringing dice and i've
0: been playing games yeah. and i did all that other stuff and yeah. i don't know if i even talked about did i yeah i talked about kids with wands how i i ran that one yeah. shot yeah we talked about that last time i forgot
1: um Wait, did you tell us how it went or did you tell was, us that you were gonna do it
0: yeah because i did it so I don't know if I told you, if we, if we got around to talking about it, maybe I'll talk about that today. Cause it was really fun yeah. and yeah. it looks like I'm going to run the same adventure that I ran for my friends and put on the Saturday morning D and D show, um, because I don't have time to write another adventure, but, uh, indoor adventurer on his Twitch channel, he does uh, one shot Wednesdays. And he mm-hmm. wanted me to run it on his one shot Wednesday's channel. So uh, I have to sacrifice my ghost of salt marsh game for one Wednesday so that I can turn around and play a one shot on, on indoor adventures channel, but I think it'll be worth it and it'll be fun. Um, and my, my home group is like, Oh no, for sure. Like go ahead and do that. So if you missed it or if you want to see it again with like brand new people, um, I'm going to run kids with wands. It's going to be fun. Um, cool. it'll be, it'll be a blast. Yeah um yeah so uh, as we started this i was like i don't think we have a lot of news do we have a lot of games that we played so i felt like Mm -hmm. this is going to be like a shorter show but we always end up talking for an hour so i'm sure it'll be fine yeah Um, but today is tabletop day it is welcome to june um summer is here uh Mm -hmm. kids are out of school which is always fun in my neighborhood where i just i'm like all these kids walking around i'm like what are you doing shouldn't you be somewhere but It's summer. They should be exactly where they're at. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna turn into the crotchety old man on my porch. That's just like, what are you kids doing? Yeah, it's it's crazy. But uh, what's going on in the world of D and D, Mister Lucian?
1: Well. I think the biggest thing is that because we had the big event, we always have that lull after a big event has happened because there's been so much news dumped. There's been so much going on. So many shows were participated in that, and now they're kind of taking a breather. But they're also getting ready for a lot of the conventions that are about to happen too because we've kind of really hit the big summer convention um, season at this point. So I think we didn't get a lot of new stuff that we haven't heard just just a couple things that I, I noticed was we talked about Warriors of Waterdeep, which was a mobile game that was coming out, and I did see that they released it. Um, yeah. It's not one that I played. I was almost going to download it, but it felt like as I was reading the, ins- the description in the mobile phone store app, it sounded like there might be a, a, a monthly fee, like a 6 or $7 monthly fee, and Ooh, I thought, really? well, I'm already spending a lot of money on D&D. I, I'm going to hold <laughs> off and see if I want to research a little better. So maybe some of you, maybe you guys have Warriors of Waterdeep. I, I'm pretty sure you can find it in the Apple Store, the any of the Google Stores and those kinds of things for the for the other devices that are out there. Um, let us know what you think about it. If you are playing it, let let us know what the the monetary transactions, because obviously any type of game like that usually has some type of microtransactions, a way to make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's any good. The reason I I was interested in it is because I have been playing a lot of um, Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms, which I do really like, and I do highly recommend to people who like a game that's kind of hands-off. I know Jordan played it a little bit, and I think the key is you go into it and something that you leave kind of running, and then you just check it every now and then versus a game that you're going to, like, say, okay, I'm going to sit down for five hours and play. It's not that kind of game. It's more of, like, a you set them up, you send them on an adventure, and you let them go do their thing, and you come back and you check it. And maybe you play for 10 minutes, maybe you play for 20 minutes, and then you let it go. Almost like a – would that be, like, a Candy Crush or, like, a, maybe a I don't Pokemon I don't kind play, of thing? Well, they're
0: not Pokemon, but, like, definitely, definitely – it feels like a game for – people who are software developers because you put it up over here on this screen and then you start coding. And then like when you're stumped with the coding, you go back to your game and you're like, Oh, I leveled up. Cool. And then you go back. Oh yeah, that's right. And then you go back to coding Uh, or maybe it's for authors or something. Somebody who like works at it.
1: Yeah, I was doing a support um, yeah. call and I'd have it over on my left screen just running. Mm-hmm. And then like somebody would call in and be like, okay, I'm gonna help this person. And you could just leave it running. It's kind of hands-off. You just let it do its thing. And then you come back and you're like, Oh, let me level up some guys, let me switch this around. And then even when you turn it a game off, it still runs even in the off mode. So even if it's not up and running, you're still gaining money if they're in an adventure. Yeah. So when you come back, all of a sudden you have like six billion dollars and you can spend it on upgrading your character. So it, and it's one of those games that if you like to collect things, like you want all the heroes and you want mm. all the stuff, then it's kind of fun in that way. So it's not a deep game. It's not something you spend a ton of time on, but I thought it was fun. It's free to start with. I've not spent any money at all in Forgotten Realms, Idol Champions of Forgotten Realms. So I thought maybe Warriors of the Waterdeep might be similar, but on a mobile device, but I think it's definitely a little bit different game. So you guys will have to tell us if anybody's out there playing it, what you think of it. Um, somebody's saying it is free to play, but okay. Maybe it is, and maybe I just read it wrong. How the store uh, described it. So maybe yeah. I'll try it if it is free. If it's free to play, I'll always try it. But if if I got to pay like six bucks a month, I'm very careful on what I pay six bucks a month for because there's so much good stuff out there. <laughs> Steam, like Steam library is full of games. Well, just that
0: like I mobile games in general, I just do not yeah. like mobile games because they have a mentality of like fishing for money and every like yeah, there was a there was a Rick and Morty pokemon style game that they released for mobile and i was just like oh or for tablets i should say and i was like oh my gosh like this is awesome i love rick and morty i love pokemon this is gonna be great and then sure enough within the first five minutes it's like you know it's free to play but then you run out of like yeah, Pocket Morty, thanks Skull Dixon. That's exactly what it was. I forgot the name. But like you run out of the Pokéballs and it was like, "Oh, for 5.99 you can get more and stuff like that." And it was the same thing with Pokémon Go. I was really obsessed with Pokémon Go for a while, but then eventually it's just like if you want to keep playing, you had to buy money. And I'm a the type of consumer where if I really like something, like I'm okay spending 15 to 20 dollars a month on that product. Mm-hmm. Um So if I – like, because I played a lot of MMOs back in the day where it was subscription services, and I was fine with that. Everybody was on the same playing field, blah, blah, blah. But these mobile games, you're not on the same playing field because the guy that does $200 into his game is going to be significantly ahead uh, of you who puts only $5 into the game. Mm -hmm. And I – and and not that everything's a competition, but at the same time, when you're playing with your friends and like, Oh, I can't play anymore because I reached my $5 limit for the month. Uh, I just, I don't know. So I don't like the, I don't like the psychology around mobile games right now. And I, I much, maybe I'm, again, I'm an old man on the table or on my Mm -hmm. porch telling kids to get off my lawn. But, uh, I just want to buy a game. Like, you know, like when Cuphead came out, I really liked Cuphead and I bought that game and that had no DLC, no like extra things to get, no whatever. It was just like you bought the game, you would unlock stuff playing the game and it was a lot of fun. So yeah. I don't know. That's my rant on, yeah. on mobile gaming. Sorry, <laughs> I don't like it.
1: No, I think it's good. I, I'm, I'm mostly in agreement. I think there's a few things that I like. I understand companies want to make money and microtransactions, yeah. certain things when they put out free things. But yeah, I think it can take, it definitely can be taken too far, and I hate time limits on things where it says you can play for 20 minutes, but once that 20 minutes is out, you need to buy a token to play again. Exactly. That I don't like. like if I want to dump seven hours into something, let me dump seven hours in it. Don't yeah. gate me on that. So yeah, then
0: so. like MMOs kind of changed that way, that direction too, where they kind of went towards like the free to play, and I just don't like it. Yeah. It was like just give me a subscription. Well the ne- one thing never I winter be- I wanted to love you so much but you were free mm-hmm. to play and I just wanted you to have a subscription. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the reason I thought it might be interesting because it says Warriors of Waterdeep which then means it's grounded in yeah forgotten realms which then means if you're a lower person of forgotten realms that may have some cool stuff in it that somehow oh, yeah. we don't know about and so i was almost looking at it just from the canon standpoint not even maybe caring about what the gameplay is like but it might tell us give us stories of stuff that maybe we haven't heard before or maybe like new stories that are um part of Forgotten Realms and that kind of stuff. So I thought it might be interesting there because who are the Warriors of Waterdeep? Who are they? Random characters. Are they people that are actual characters Would be interesting to kind of see. So I'll have to check it out. If it's free to play, I'll check it out. Lucian's official review next week on the
0: Warriors of Waterdeep. So we
1: did get, we're really cool over on the D and D channel. um, Jeremy Crawford sat down in Dragon Plus once again and with Bart Carroll and they talked about Artificer and they talked about the two new classes that they've released, the two subclasses of the specializations that they released with Artificer. And they gave a more grounded, I almost feel like I wish this video happened. And then they let the article go out like the next day or during the show, mm-hmm. because the way they describe the two subclasses made way more sense when I hear it coming from Jeremy and what, he was, what they were trying to do with it and why they went this route versus when I read it, I wasn't, I wasn't sure why we were building an artificial intelligence creature for, you know, the, the, the one class, one part of the class, or like what did the, you know um, what did the two add that we didn't get with the other, the other two subclasses. But once you listen to that, that kind of the questions that they bring up and how, why they picked the things they chose Mm -hmm. and where they were going with it. And that he really was talking with Keith Baker quite a bit. um, It is clear to me that this is getting released in that Eberron book. I mean, they didn't say that, but the way all of the clues point to, I think we get um, Artificer in the book. I think it'll be slightly changed from the UA articles that we have now. He even mentioned that there were still some adjustments that they wanted to make, but I think that's when we get it in an official book, so... It'll be interesting. Have you read the two? I mean, we talked a little bit about it. I'm playing the Artillerist part of it, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting Artificer. Um, but what if you were going to play an Artificer of the four, There's four. which one are you thinking you'd play? Yeah, there's four subclasses now. Did you see the... No,
0: uh, <laughs> like <articles>? Alchemist, Ar- <laughs> Artillerist, the Research yeah. one that I can't remember the name of. What's the fourth one?
1: Yeah, the War let me get to it i should have had my uh, <laughs> you know, i didn't
0: um right now before, while you're looking that up right now uh, i really like the alchemist i think the most like i like archivist archivist that's the research one what's the other yeah. one
1: and then artillerist is the one i'm playing and then the last one is the battlesmith
0: oh battlesmith okay yeah yeah, yeah. who
1: has the iron defender
0: right the like golem thing that walks around because they're all kind of pet based. Like even the alchemist has like a little,
1: well, you say that, but the way they make it, the way Jeremy was talking about it is he said, we wanted two of them to be pet based and two of them not to be, Though you may think of the other two as pets, the way they're structured in the rules, they are not creatures. So they cannot be targeted as such. Okay. So they become things that are, give you abilities and let you do things they have rules but they, well, the they aren't necessarily a pet like the artillerist and the battlesmith which have an actual pet stat creature hmm. that now, can be affected by the
0: things. alchemist you can make a homunculus and i'm pretty yes. sure it's like it has stats and things like that and it can tell take the help action and things like that yes Maybe i'm wrong yeah yeah so the
1: homunculus is considered a creature a tiny okay. construct neutral okay um the turret does not have a stat block like there that. There you
0: go. Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
1: Um, the archivist artificial intelligence thing that you create does not have a stat block like okay. that. Okay. But then the Iron Defender does have a stat okay. block that's considered medium construct neutral.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, back to your original question, I think I would play the Alchemist. That was the one I was most excited about, and that's the one that my player in my salt marsh game is playing right now, so we're testing it out um mm-hmm. he's only level one well now he's level two after our thing spoilers um mm-hmm. but yeah that's i i just like the idea of uh i don't know having like mixing concoctions and things like that and being mm-hmm. able to be in two places at once with your pet um and kind of sad for the beastmaster ranger i know you're playing a beastmaster ranger in another game but like it's like they got pets right with this one. Like your HP is five times your level instead of like four times your level. So you have extra hit points for your, your pet. They automate, well, sorry, we have, uh, uh, what's the word? Errata uh, that fixed Arata a lot of that. Yeah, fixed a lot of that. I forget about rata, that, but, because yeah. they do the same thing where if you don't issue a command, it takes the dodge action automatically. Yeah. yeah, But, um, but I don't know. I agree. I guess your, your beastmaster pet can attack and my homunculus can't. It just does, um, the help action kind of like a familiar, but.
1: Well, in the iron defender, um, and let me, by third level, the tinkering in your free time has borne you a faithful companion in iron defender. They might switch that. He said he might turn it back to a steel defender. They were going back and forth with the word, either iron or steel. Hmm. Um, and this metallic creature resembles a hound, a cougar, a bear, or another four-legged creature of your choice. Table. So it is not... Walking table. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But it's not like when I thought of it, I thought like when you said immediately, I was thinking like a big iron kind of golemy dude mm-hmm. that would walk around and help you out. And I thought, oh, that'd be kind of cool to have like a, a power suited guy or maybe I can ride around on him or something. Mm. But it, it specifically points it towards a four-legged creature, which I thought was an interesting choice. Can, why can't it be a six-legged creature? Why can't it be a three-legged creature yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever? But, uh, you know, just reading it. And I'm sure, you know, they don't mean for it to be that specific, but they, I think they mean to give you a starting point and then mm-hmm. let GMs and D- Dungeon Masters and Game Masters kind of take it from there to say, yeah, you can do this in my game or you can have, yeah. you know, if you really wanted your Iron Defender to be a bird, maybe that's something your your Dungeon Master would let happen or something. That's
0: really um, interesting that they're so focused on, like, iron versus steel. Like, I wonder why that's, like, yeah. a point of... Con- I'm just seeing the, there's the meetings. A creature.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a creature that was called, I think, called an Iron Defender or a Steel Defender.
0: Oh, there is an Iron... Well, there's Iron
1: Golems. No, I think there's something that has that name. I-
0: iron Defender? Oh, okay.
1: And then what Jeremy was saying is we might want to bring that creature back into a book, give it, you know, bring it, because it, it sounds like it's either a third edition or a second edition or or something like gotcha. that. Um, and so he was worried that they may want to bring it back in an adventure, so they can't really necessarily use it as a companion for the Battlesmith. But he said he was talking with Keith Baker and they were going back and forth on what they thought, what they liked. Cool. But it's clear he's doing a lot of talking with Keith Baker about how this fits in Eberron. So this is clearly an Eberron class. Mm -hmm. So here starts to come out. So now that we finally jumped planes, right? This kind of leads this news piece leads into it a little bit. Um since everything's been forgotten realms up till now, when you said except Castle Ravenloft. Sure. (laughs) But there's no new classes or races anymore, is there? there? Right. Okay. So when you say hey I'm gonna start a campaign and you can use any of the Wizards Ghost uh printed material that was kind of a no-brainer because it was all happening in Forgotten Realms, anyways. But now we've had Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. We've also had we're about to have an Eberron book towards the end of this year at some point. Do you do we start to see that we're doing a campaign that is Forgotten Realms character-based? Or do we let the Eberron characters come in? Is there a problem with letting Eberron characters come into the Forgotten World Realms campaign setting? Is there any problems with the way you know they're it sounds like they're balancing everything well but eberron is a different world than forgotten realms and well just if you letting...
0: yeah if you're playing uh adventure league then no like i don't if you're right. playing in a forgotten realms adventure league then you cannot be a Warforged or uh Kalistar or anything like that so right.
1: change probably not a uh artificer at this point or not so. one of the guild masters guide to Ravnica stuff. Cause there was a bunch of cool stuff in that too. races.
0: Yeah. You can't be a race. From yeah. Guildmasters Boxidons, guide to Ravnica. yeah. And...
1: So I think that's interesting. Cause I think we're at the point now where they have to make that decision. And as game masters or dungeon masters in our own campaigns, we have, we are posed with this or poised with this question of what classes fit in the campaign. I'm trying to run and match the theme and mm-hmm. which ones don't, so maybe I shouldn't. And I know we all already maybe do some of that stuff, but I feel like we've pretty much let everything in for now because it's all been forgotten realms. But now we've really started to get some other world stuff. Like if we get a dark sun all of a sudden, or we get something that's really different, um, we get Spelljammer. we get something else that's really kind of out there. Eberron's starting to move that route. That's like, Eberron to me is like halfway between sci-fi and fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. So it sits there in the middle. But there's nothing that says they couldn't do a sci-fi se- setting at this point with 5e rules that comes from Wizard of the coast, not by anybody else. And then do we let those characters come in too? So now where are we at in this point of the 5e lifespan?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I always think about when I saw Keith Baker at, um, Gen Con and he was talking about when, when he originally wrote Eberron, he wanted it to be its own separate thing away from like all D D stuff. But, um, not D&D stuff, sorry, but from, like, it's not part of this weird multiverse. And Wizards of the Coast didn't like that. They want They want all these different campaign settings to be connected somehow. And so the compromise was that there is this huge, like you have Forgotten Realms and you have Dark Sun and Greyhawk and they're all kind of next to each other. And then you have a huge um, void. And then on the other side of that void is um, <coughs> uh, Eberron. And Eberron kind of has its own laws, magical laws, and its own, you know, it's grounded in the rules of Dungeons and Dragons, but it has its own magical laws and things like that. And uh, I always thought that was really interesting, because kind of like, and I just finished a big video on Curse of Strahd, but Barovia was like that too. Like, Barovia wasn't really supposed to be part of anything, but Wizards of the Coast wants it to fit into their multi universe dungeons and dragons world so they they wrapped it up into the shadow fell in fourth edition but originally mm-hmm. barovia was just like no it's just this weird mystical realm that's kind of its own separate thing and it has its own magical mystical laws and this is how this is how death saves work here and this is how this works here and and souls work differently here because it's a separate world and it didn't have to be part of any something else but they they like that it is part of something else or that's what they're pushing for, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know, which always like, and, uh, uh, I forget his name, uh, off the top of my head, but, uh, uh, Nathan, Nathan, uh, Stewart. What's his name? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Nathan B Stewart.
0: Yeah. He was saying like, he's always teasing, uh, uh, not teasing, but he's teasing us about Spelljammer. Mm -hmm. but that is the one campaign setting that linked all the other campaign settings. So, yeah, it's yeah. like one of those things where I'm like, you have to introduce this at some point, I feel. Yeah. Um,
1: well, but... and if your audience brings it up all the time, another tangent here, why wouldn't you bring them a book of Spelljammer? At this point, <laughs> you know, the people would buy a Spelljammer book only because they bring it up every single time he does a, a, a show. And in, in chat, they're always okay when, when are you announce Spelljammer, or every time they say we have a new announcement coming, they're always like, Spelljammer, Spelljammer, <laughs> you know, so you know it's popular, you know, people would want it. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you give that to the people? Why would you hold it back? I wonder,
0: yeah, I don't know. It's a uh, there's a there's a strategy to their release, I'm sure, um, mm-hmm. but also it's funny because you're I have people online that comment on my videos or send me messages, and they're just like, Hey, Um, I want to do like a Guildmaster Ravnica. Like how do I get from forgotten realms to Ravnica or how do I do this? Or how do I do that? And I look at them and I'm kind of like, you just, you're a DM. You say there's a portal that opens up or you're, you magically got teleported or there's a weird magic bridge that when you cross it, you're then in the world of Ravnica. Like it's, it's a problem that is very simple for dungeon masters to fix Mm -hmm. yet. All of us collectively seem to want some official stuff to know that I have to get in a Spelljammer ship. I have to cross through a Crystal Sphere into another Crystal Sphere through the phlogiston You know, like, they want rules that allow me to go from one to the other. When I'm like, it, you just... You, there's a portal, you just make a portal. it's not hard, so yeah, it's yeah. it's solving a problem that really isn't a problem because if you want mm-hmm. to jump to other things, then yes, the dungeon master can make you are the
1: God of gods, you are the God <laughs> you're the dungeon master. you control it all. yeah, that's good, but I do understand people they almost want like you said like permission or or they just want to know that it's okay they're about to change something mm-hmm. because there are or they're pro- i want to say there is it, it feels like there's a large group of people out there that are very um, careful about following what they think the canon is or what they think is being true to that setting is the way it's been portrayed. And mm-hmm. they don't try to change much of it. They try to run it just like it's been either in the books or the way that's shown and they don't make a lot of changes to it. And I right. think um, – and that's okay. I mean, that's okay if you do that too, but it's okay to also hear that you can change things if you want. You're supposed to, even the designers of the game do or encourage you to do that and are okay with it. They're not going to, you know, they don't, Wizards of the Coast doesn't knock on your door and say, wait a minute, you're running Storm King's Thunder, but you threw an artificer in? That's mm-hmm. it, we're revoking your DM badge. Let's go, give it up.
0: You know? I, knew. Like- I knew they were coming. <laughs> So, the D and D police, they're out. To yeah, the D
1: and D police. Which I uh, wizards, if you ever do form a a police brigade, I will volunteer. Uh. <laughs>
0: it would be that would be the worst job. Like knock knock knock. By the way, your your fun is wrong. Give I don't me know your you DMs.
1: Give it over. Let's your, do it. Your fun is
0: wrong. <laughs>
1: uh That would be a good parody video, though. Yeah, that That'd would actually. Pretty,
0: I so. that would be. I should write that. That would be really fun. <laughs>
1: So other than that, I thought, um, so it is interesting to see the artificer. There is the, um, survey is out now. If for those of you that have been playing it, want to give your feedback or even a dungeon master who has a player playing it in their campaign could fill that out with their kind of idea of how it's affecting their game, the things that they see. That's also valid kind of feedback to give to Wizards of the Coast so they can make some of those changes and, um, I filled mine out and gave in. I might even try to fill a second one out as I keep thinking of more stuff just to give them as much information as I can about what I think about the Artificer, which I love. I actually love the class. Um, again, I don't think I'll ever run an Eberron campaign, though I wouldn't mind playing in one. It's not one that, it's not the setting that I'm like excited for myself to run. Mm-hmm. But I do like the Artificer and I do like some of the things that they have in it that I am definitely allow into my games. So.
0: Yeah, when my group was changing from hot springs island a lot of them were just like well are we going to play an eberron campaign and i was like man i never really thought about running one because i like they give you all the inf- like eberron's really good at giving you all the information to write your own campaign but they don't have a lot of as far as i know they don't have a lot of pre-written campaigns maybe i'm wrong there's probably early 3.5 stuff out there but um i was like man i never really thought about that but you, but you're right eberron's cool like we should play mm-hmm. an Eberron game,
1: <laughs>
0: like it could be really awesome. So
1: yeah. Other than that, rolling out, finishing out the the news. Um, I did see a little blurb that came over that Archon being played by Joe Magniello. Is that right? I was his name wrong. Ma- yeah, Manjanello. I think so. I could be wrong. Okay,
0: we're really bad at this. We should learn. Yeah, I, and I'm, then his name. <laughs> He's gonna, keep coming, news, yeah. He's gonna yeah. keep coming up in the news, Lucian. He's gonna keep coming up in the news.
1: Get it right. We'll have to phonetically spell it so that we're not trying to just figure it out on the fly. But apparently, he, his character, his actual Archon, the character Archon the Cruel, will be in, or can be found, or in some way involved in the descent to Avernus, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting. Oh, and on the news channel, they talked about how you pronounce Avernus as opposed to Avernus, Ooh. and yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so been they- doing it wrong. <laughs> and jeremy was saying the way he tries to remember is he tries to remember a furnace so avernus but uh, but i know there are you know whatever pronunciation pronunciation and D. <laughs> yeah and then the last thing is uh for any of those of you that are fans of the dice camera action show um greg tito kind of did make an official announcement we've seen a few things come out from like anna And one or two other places that have just been, we don't know anything yet, not real information. Greg Tito did say that they did not have their show right after his D&D show. So they did not have a show this week. The show is on what they said is the word hiatus. And they are currently talking with Chris Perkins about what they want to do or what what other types of things they could do um, with his game. And in that time slot, if it's going to stay there, if they're going to create something new, if chris is going to bring new characters in and stay in the same world or if chris is going to do something different it sounds like they're in discussion at the moment about what possibly could happen so that's probably as much as we'll go into it you can just keep an eye out there for news new Uh, show
0: invite jordan he's got a death cleric named elgath that wants to play so yeah
1: would love it. To play with Chris Perkins would be crazy. That would be Come amazing. On. That would be so Come fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about it for news. We didn't have a lot and we didn't have a ton, but we were able to use up 30 minutes. So there you, there go. you go.
0: Hey, news, 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 news. So
1: I think I went first last week. So I'll let Jordan go first this week. Jordan, what yep. happened with your role playing week last week? What kind of stuff did you play? What kind of stuff did you run? What uh, did you do? Yeah.
0: So, actually my other my other people on sunday that i usually well also Sunday's kind of divided up into two things but uh, memorial day weekend monday um we ended up playing uh more of betrayal legacy so that group i think we have one session left of betrayal legacy and then we're going to go back to D, the board and game
1: right? the board the game really yes. cool super fun it's board so
0: game, yeah. fun it's so good It's so it's so good Um, But we're, we're finishing that up and lots of cool stuff's happening in that. And then uh, we're turning around and going back to D and D where my players will be in the Shadowfell. And so that's really exciting. And I have to like now start thinking about that campaign and writing a bunch of stuff. And it's interesting because I was thinking about that. And then I'm also running Ghosts of Saltmarsh and we had our first session with that. And I was weighing in my head, what is more, what takes more time? Because, like, I'm not the fastest reader, but Mm -hmm. I'm not bad. Like, I I can read a book. And so I sat down and I'm, like, reading Ghosts of Saltmarsh. But, like, to truly absorb Ghosts of Saltmarsh and understand what I'm running, I kind of have to meticulously go through it and reread chapters and go over things again and again. But once I've done that, I feel like I've got it. And counter counter to that, do I go home and do I write a bunch of stuff? And when I'm writing it, I'm really familiar with it because I'm coming up with it, so it kind of sticks in my brain a little better. And I was really scratching my head as to what's easier, like mm-hmm. writing your. Because for a long time, I've said that uh, running a module is easier than running a homebrew. But now I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, like, what do you think is, is easier? Like, what do you not? What do you prefer? But like, if you were in a time sink, it's like, well, it's quicker for me to just make this up on the fly and then run a game as opposed to I have to like really read this. So I understand where they're going and what they're fighting. And, and yeah. um, especially with uh, uh, not necessarily Ghost of Saltmarsh, but um, what was the one I was just reading? Um, Oh, it's Curse of Strahd has so many, like, if this NPC, if this happens to this NPC, then you do A. But if this NPC is no longer in the village, then you do B. Um, If this NPC is dead, you need to do C or D. And Mm -hmm. there's so many things to keep track of where I feel like if I was homebrewing that, like, you would just kind of... I don't know, like, oh, he died. I guess next session I'll write up some stuff about how he died and I don't have to think about A, B, or C. I just go straight to D. So,
1: Right. Yeah, mine changed um, from my my response to you is when I was a beginner DM, it was way easier to have something already written that I was just trying to run as written, even though it still took a lot of work to do that. Cause like you said, you have to read through it and you have to imagine how all the pieces connect to each other because they don't ever tell you the effect of something. They might tell you the cause of something. They might say this character, this NPC has friction with this NPC. Keep that in mind while you're running the game, but they don't necessarily tell you what to do in the book when something happens with one or the other, or one goes missing or, or they come into conflict, it's kind of up to you. So in some ways, you're still creating a lot of stuff, even though you're running a written adventure. Mm -hmm. But as I became a more confident Dungeon Master, as I ran more games, it became much easier to create my own and have way less prep than I do when I'm doing a as-written hardcover book. Yeah. But if I'm starting out, I never would have been able just to build my own campaign. Now we're not talking like a one shot, a one shot's kind of different. Mm-hmm. And we're really talking about the difference between campaign setup and session setup, which sometimes bleeds into each other. But those are two different things. Cause your campaign work that you're putting together is about stringing all this stuff together and where it's going, what are the storylines and what's happening. But then your session prep is you, okay, what do I think they're actually going to get to? in this next three or four hours. So I need to prep that piece specifically. Mm -hmm. So there's two types of preps that we're talking. So I think as a um, experienced dungeon master, it's easier to prep your own stuff because like you said, you wrote it. So you infinitely know it better than whoever. But as a beginning dungeon master, I felt like it was probably easier to do the hardcover book and just follow what it was doing. So I didn't do all the heavy workloads.
0: Nope, I 100% agree, and I think that's the situation I'm in now, where I was, like, I was really pushing for my group that we run Ghosts of Saltmarsh, rather than Jordan writing his own campaign for them, because I'm Thinking. writing I'm writing a campaign for my other group, and so I'm like, I don't want to write two campaigns, that just seems like way too much work, but then as I'm reading Ghosts of Saltmarsh and, like, going back over chapter one over and over again so I can get the full effect of it, I'm just like, man, this is taking a while, like... Yeah.
1: This more is work like more
0: mentioned. work than I anticipated, <laughs> and and I th- remember feeling this way when I read Hot Springs Island. But Hot Springs Island is so um, non-linear, like it is just this open sandbox that it took a long time for me to read through H- uh, Hot Springs Island. But once I got all the way through it a couple times, I was able to not prep at all, and we would just mm-hmm. sit down at the table, and I'm like, "What hex are you in? Oh, there you go," and I roll some dice. I'm like, "This happens." And it was really, really cool about that. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember talking to one of my players about it. Like, we got to a point where um, I was thinking about what we were going to do for our party for the next adventure. And they just said they said the same thing. They were like, just go buy whatever the new book is. It'll just be easy. You won't have to do any prep or anything at all. And I'm just like, no, that's not how it works.
0: You got to read a lot. Yeah. You got (laughs) to prep and you got to do this. And then your players go in a different direction than the book thinks you're going to go. And, yeah. (laughs) that already happened so my players are level one and we started ghost of salt marsh and uh not a big spoiler but like the the level one adventure is to go visit a haunted house that's on the coast and so they're exploring this haunted house and uh they ended up like fighting some some giant snakes in the garden and the snakes almost took them out and i was just like oh yeah you're level one Oh, goodness. I, I, okay. I hope you guys live. This is is exciting. (laughs) And then they got to another area. They ended up doing really well, but they don't have a lot of healing. They've got a paladin and an artificer for healing, both of which have fewer spell slots than a full caster. So I'm really curious how we're going to keep them healed going into the future, but... Um, as I was rereading the artificer, it looks at level three, they get a, an ability to put a lot of temporary hit points on creatures. So I mm-hmm. think with that, my players will probably be okay. But, um,
1: I don't know about the alchemist, like the can. No, I think,
0: no, uh, the alchemist, I think okay. he can. He does have T, um, yeah. you like put solves on people and, and different things and give them temporary hit points. Uh, yeah. I could be wrong. I, I need to reread it. I need to really understand the artificer because we're we're playtesting it in my game. Right. So you know you want to kind of understand what's too. happening.
1: I think the truth that we have found, both me and Jordan, running lots of Dungeons and Dragons games now, is the most dangerous level you will ever face is level one. Yes, in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> no. You will never be in more danger than level one. <laughs> it's it's
0: crazy, and and it's funny because they did a couple fights. Uh, and were severely beat up, and we're like, well, let's take a long rest, and in my mind, I'm like, it's it's 10 in the morning,
1: yeah. you know? <laughs> like,
0: you're doing a long rest, and it's 10 in the morning, but uh, so I think what I'm going to do is they, they took a long rest, and we'll have them uh, wake up at night, and then I'm going to have a bunch of, like, cool things happen at night in this haunted house that they're in, and see what happens, so um, cool. it's kind of interesting, but but so far, I really like Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Every time I'm reading it, I get to a point where um, like I'm reading the level one adventure and I'm like, that's really cool. And then I get to the level like four adventure and I'm like, man, this is really cool. And then I get to the level five adventure and I'm like, I can't wait for them to get to level five because this one is even cooler. And Mm -hmm. these are just older adventures from dungeon magazine and uh, the, uh, some published material from the 1970s or eighties. And it's really like, I think it's really well done. The, the book was, promise to me um that there was a thread that kind of weaved all of these adventures together and i would say that although it's there it's pretty weak um it's nothing that's like there's not a huge motivation other than money for players Mm -hmm. to go out and do stuff luckily I'm pretty sure my players are greedy enough that they're going to be interested in money and they will do these adventures. And they, they're they my players. They know, like, oh, Jordan has a quest for us. We should probably go on this quest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started out the adventure with a crazy old man that was talking about a haunted mansion. And one player was just like, well, I don't really see the point in going to that. And I'm like, oh, but the the city council is offering a 200 gill or 200 gold reward for anybody that will come back with information. Oh, well, then we'll go. And I'm like, all right, yeah. I see how it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the key too is don't fall into the trap of you're going to run one through eight back to back to back. I think what you need to have prepared, dungeon masters that are going to run this, is you might be able to get away with running one and two. But be ready to throw something in the middle that is what something you make or you found somewhere else or that just happens to fit in the area that helps them get from level to level to level because the XP or the way the... the they need to be a certain level before they get to the next thing. And you need some filler to help smooth out moving, transitioning from that one adventure to another. And you can easily do that by creating an adventure, like a bridge adventure of your own Mm -hmm. or grabbing something that will help you bridge from one to the other. So don't be afraid. Don't feel like you're just going to run those one through eight and you're done. I don't, that's not the type of the book it is. That's more like your storm King's thunder, your tomb of annihilations, your, your water deep dragon heist, those ones. This one is you have a loose set, but you're going to have to put some filler in too to make it work.
0: And that is an excellent segue to a DMs Guild book that I bought called The Uncaged Anthology Volume One, um, which has a whole bunch of really cool adventures, many of them seafaring adventures that I feel work with Saltmarsh really, really well. Like usually it's like you're in a city and you got a job to go investigate a swamp or you got a job to go investigate an island or you got a job to do this. And so they're full of these little like one shots at, at, at certain levels. And I've been reading that and I think I'm going to sprinkle some of those adventures in with um, my, uh, my, my ghost of Saltmarsh group because yeah, like you said, if you're going off of XP, they might not get to a certain level when you need them to. Um, but uh, they have been uh, the the adventure really wants you to do milestone leveling, I guess right so, if you're going to do a milestone leveling, you're probably fine, but it seems really weird when you play for like four sessions and it takes you four sessions to get to level two to level three, but then one session to get to level four, because you need right. to be level four before you go to the next one. So it's kind of like, uh, it's not really like, I don't know. After playing with experience points in hot Springs Island, I like experience points now. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, as a DM, I hand out extra experience for just role playing during the session. So I think my players level up a little faster than you normally would for just getting monster experience. But yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do things like objectives that further the storyline cool role-playing incidents that maybe weren't something necessarily that benefited the character but because they played in character it just made the story better i like to award for that i love to award for the creatures that they fight uh, or even if they don't fight them i like to give them that um, xp also if they found a cool way around it just to encourage all the different ways that you can play the game Mm -hmm. and not just let's murder hobo our way through it
0: yeah. So if you're interested, I will put a link in the comments or in the uh, the description below the YouTube video with the Uncaged Anthology Volume 1. It's um, all female writers. It's actually it's really cool. Like mm-hmm. I, I love the art in it. I love the stories that I've read so far. And um, they have Tier 1 to Tier 4 adventures. So it's really cool. And it's perfect. I think I'm going to sprinkle it in with Saltmarsh and maybe even after Saltmarsh is done uh, and my players are level like 12 or 13, wherever it ends, I forget. Um, I can continue on with Uncaged Anthology and do some extra stuff and we can keep playing for higher levels. So,
1: yeah. We're sending them to Avernus. What are you talking about?
0: Or I'm doing that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or That's by cool. that time, uh, Avernus is out in uh, Descent and I can play that, um, which, gosh, I'm, I'm excited for that
1: one too. Well, Going but, back to your other campaign though, mm-hmm. just to recap, are they level 10 or are they level 11? Uh,
0: they're level 11.
1: And they're going to the Shadowfell. And they're
0: in the Shadowfell currently. They jump through a portal okay. and they're in the Shadowfell. Yeah.
1: And have you actually written what's going to happen or are you winging it? Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> so okay. there is a Shadowfell book for 4th edition. Mm-hmm. Um, What is that book called? That's going to bug me. Shadowfell <laughs>
1: book. I'm curious cuz I'm wondering how yeah like what's the difference going to be for this other game now which is your home Gloomrot. Right? Uh
0: so the Shadowfell book is called Gloomrot and Beyond and Gloomrot is a city in the Shadowfell. And it's basically this whole book is just like a kind of like Ghost of Saltmarsh where that first chapter of of Ghost of Saltmarsh is just like here's all the things that you can do in Saltmarsh here's the like various plot hooks that happen in Saltmarsh uh Gloomrot and beyond is exactly the same, but for fourth edition. So the whole Mm -hmm. book is just like, here are various plot hooks that your players can go on. Here's the city of Gloomrot. Here are the outlying areas of the Shadowfell. Here's kind of how the Shadowfell works. So I've read through that book uh, a couple times. And my idea is to have them kind of sandbox their way through the Shadowfell that way. So I haven't written a ton of like, you'll go here and then you'll go here. But I have read through that book and my plan is, and I have a, I have a plan of attack for them to kind of eventually get to Gloomrot and then from Gloomrot find out like the various quests they need to do to get back to where they want to go, which is home. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to have to revive, I'm going to have to look over all of that again. Once we finish uh, my game, and we actually start playing again because that was like several months ago that I went over that. But it's a really good book if you're interested in The Shadowfell. I know it's 4th edition and everyone's like, oh, boo, 4th edition. But 4th edition had really good source books too. And Mm -hmm. one of them is that one. Like the Neverwinter campaign setting is also a great source book for 4E. Like if you want to play a game in Neverwinter, yes, there is like 4th edition specific things about it. But it's so easy to just transfer it over. Like, oh, I'll just take this quest and make it a 5th edition quest. Like I'll take this monster and make it a 5th edition monster. It's not... It's not the end of the world. So. so,
1: what are the what are the environmental effects of being in Shadowfell that you're going to place in?
0: <laughs> your game? So, Glue yes. and Beyond comes with a uh, Shadowfell card deck that I mm-hmm. have purchased. Uh, the PDF of, and I printed out on cardstock, and I cut up all the things, and I made little cards. So, mm-hmm. uh, whenever your players take a long rest, or whenever something. Um, especially creepy happens like a player dies maybe, or a player Mm -hmm. goes unconscious or something. They see a monster they've never seen before that is just really scary. You have them roll, I think a wisdom saving throw. And if they fail, they pull a card from that deck. And that card has basically kind of like a, a form of madness associated with it. Something wrong. Like they might lose 10 feet of movement or they might have disadvantage on attacks or they might have, um, I'm trying to think like, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but something negative. And then it's actually a mini quest for them. And as they go through, if they can overcome this form of madness, it turns into a positive. Um, and so they might have disadvantage on attacks against undead, but if they can overcome their fear through dice rolls and role-playing, it becomes a positive, And then they have advantage against undead. So mm-hmm. it's a really it's a really cool mechanic, and that's what I'm going to use. Um, previously, my players were exploring an inverted pyramid that was linked to the Shadowfell, and in the, d- the fifth edition Dungeon Master's Guide, there's Shadowfell rules that uh, they roll a Wisdom saving throw, and if they fail, you roll a d6, and like this this happens to them. And I mm-hmm. use that throughout this, and so I think this is the next like step up. You know, so instead of just using those Shadowfell rules, I now have this like card system that like a whole bunch of crazy things can happen to them. So, yeah, yeah that's it's cool. It's really cool. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: That was kind of similar. One of the things that I wanted to do in a very similar setting like that is I wanted to have a role after they come out of their long rest that was hidden. And then I would send a message to each of the players and say, you are feeling this mood right now. Mm-hmm. to give them the opportunity to role play the mood of their character. But it's randomly decided each time they wake up. So you could be like, you're feeling really despondent. You're feeling, all, you're just angry. You mm-hmm. woke up just angry. You you, uh, you feel like you're lost. You feel, um, you think somebody's watching you. Uh, just like a bunch of these things that would be a random list, I would send them to them secretly to the players and then let them role play out the things that are happening through their dialogue and the way they they do things just to show that hey we're in a different world that's not the normal world like play your mood play your 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 demeanor out and let the other characters kind of thrive Mm -hmm. on i thought that'd be really interesting but i like this idea of the card thing too that's a really cool it's a cool mechanic
0: mechanic. yeah i like it a lot um and i think there's 30 cards so i could have them roll a d30 as well but i think it's more fun to just be like choose your Poison. yeah if i'm at a table yeah, <laughs> just
1: like a card that's really cool because then it's them you know mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> i like it that's and then really... two people can't get the same form of like shadowfell madness or something but um mm-hmm. uh yeah i it's a it's a really cool mechanic the shadowfell is one of those those uh, settings or worlds that I, I really like Um, a Feywild and the Shadowfell. I like that. They're the two, they're both dangerous, but they're both antithesis of themselves and they're both Mm -hmm. not necessarily evil. Like the Feywild isn't necessarily good. There's some evil that happens there and the Shadowfell isn't necessarily evil. It's just like this negative energy kind of plane. And so Mm -hmm. undead, gravitate there but even the undead you like you might run into a vampire it's not necessarily evil he just lives there because like oh the sun doesn't shine it's a lot easier Mm -hmm. to live here than it is to live other places so yeah
1: and i like the enigma of the raven queen Mm -hmm. as a storyline character being tied to that world and i it's one of my favorite areas too
0: yeah i like it a lot so i think it's gonna be a, a fun adventure and we'll see what level they get to because i've been doing milestone leveling with them so i'm not sure what level maybe maybe a couple levels in the shadow fell and then they'll return home at level 13 or something so we'll see
1: and then it'll all be destroyed a wasteland they've come back to mm, we'll see and then they have to <laughs>
0: something something to keep the adventure going if they want to keep going but... it's
1: adventures endgame. game they have to
0: go back in... <laughs> back in time into their other bodies to fight loki
1: <laughs> it'll be great so, but yeah, cool. that's
0: about all I did in games. Um, I took up most of the time, so thank you for yeah, letting me perfect. go first. No, I did it on purpose. <laughs> um, but what did you do in games this week?
1: So I got to play one. One um, we got through, one got canceled just due to scheduling. Um, so we played Tomb of Annihilation on our Wednesday night game. Um, our characters are six level. We're probably one or two good sessions of fighting something a couple of UNT on T war parties or something. And I bet we'd make seven pretty quick. Um, but it was a session filled with lots of puzzles. So we, we kind of encountered like in the first couple of sessions um, it, once we got to the city in uh, Tomb of Annihilation, it was heavy combat. We were fighting everything. It seemed like the whole city was trying to kick us out and we were just fighting constantly. And we did something that was really cool. I think we did four full on regular, encounters before we were able to take a long rest so we were really taxed to our limits about what we could do how we managed our resources how bad things were getting towards the end um, because we weren't able just to do one encounter long rest one encounter long rest one encounter because you really are powerful if you let your players do that and I was impressed that our party was still able to live through those four major encounters without having a long rest which was cool. Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have made another one i don't think i think we were done after that if we had a fifth major encounter we weren't gonna make it because we we needed that rest for sure so that was pretty cool um the puzzles again this was interesting because as many of you know i played in tomb of annihilation previously on a different stream Mm -hmm. and now i'm playing it on another one so we got to two parts where i knew the puzzles like our party went through these in the previous one i played Mm -hmm. And so, and they, on my players, I've told my players, my DM knows I played this part and they looked at me and they said, is this a part that you're going to participate in or is this a part you're not going to participate in? And I, and I said, my character doesn't know anything about this. That's how I'm playing it. And I just kind of sat back and I let the other members of the group try to figure out what was going on, how to, f- how to get through what little thing we need to do. And they did a great job. They didn't need me helping them or hinting at them the, the, dungeon master gave them good um clues it did still take a while puzzles can sometimes bring a session kind of dragging as they are trying to work through the ideas of what's going on but i think you just have to have patience to let them work through it i think you just have to um gauge again where their level of fun is are they having fun while figuring it out Mm -hmm. and start to watch for they're not having fun but they're still trying to figure it out because there's a there's like a curve or a, a line on a bar graph that says fun. I'm figuring something out, but I don't know it yet, mm-hmm. and it slowly goes downward and downward, downward until they're just like, this isn't fun. I don't even want to play this anymore. I don't care if we ever figure it out. Let's just this is dumb, yeah. you know. And you've got to you've got to curtail that before it gets all the way down there and destroys, you know, your your party's momentum or your party's um, excitement in playing the game. So keep an eye on that, dungeon masters, for sure. Horde of the Dragon Queen was the one that got canceled, so I did not get to play my Artificer this week, though um, I went back and I was rereading through, and I'm I'm waffling between um, wanting to play the one with the Iron Defender too, the Warsmith, because that mm-hmm. one sounds really cool to me. I like the idea of having an iron dog or an iron, you know, Rottweiler, or iron mastiff next to me. That'd be kind of cool. Um, that does some cool things. And we have reformed our parties we have had this big cataclysmic event in seeking revenor and though we had a holiday on monday so i was not able to wrangle in my players they all had holiday stuff they were doing we are returning this monday so we will get back to seeking revenor on monday with a four-person group this is a gonna be now following what it was before it was a west marches game i don't most of you probably know this because I've been talking about it for episode after episode, but it was a West Marches game and lots of groups could go out and explore this brand new land. Uh, Revenor is a continent in Forgotten Realms, but it's across the Great Ocean. And we don't have a lot of books that talk about Revenor, or they used to call it, um, what's the other name for it? Chrome, An- Anchrome, I think was the other name for it. Anchrome and Revenor are the same name, which is above like Maztica and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're having lots of groups go out. So as you watch the campaign unfold and many of the player, all the players came from fans of the show that played this, they would form groups. They'd form an expedition. They'd go out on one night and they would always come back. So that's how the, every session went. Um, they got to explore all this land. They got to find out all the different things that are happening, which was super cool. But now I'm going to bring the focus back into a regular campaign, which is one group that's going out and how they live in this world now. That has been explored by all these other groups that have went out there. So it's going to be fun to bring it back to kind of an, in my mind, a normal campaign versus an abnormal campaign because the West March is one who's running a campaign very differently when you're running it for 20, 30 people that the groups are always changing. Mm-hmm. but i'm getting back to a normal more normal campaign Sweet. Um, so that's gonna be good um i can't wait for that on monday night 8 30 p.m eastern and i'll definitely talk about how that goes and how we bring everybody back in and what we're doing with that um we still have i also want to just there's a lot of now that we're into june i had a lot of people contact me just like you did with um indoor adventure talking about doing some one shots here and there so i think a lot more of those are going to be popping up and god i must have I must have joined on four more Kickstarters over the last month again because I have a Kickstarter addiction. And so I have a bunch of more games that are coming that I'm going to want to play. And I still have a bunch of games I bought last year that I still haven't played. And I still want to play more like a Kids on Bikes or, or, or Kids with Wands or, you know, I still want to do all these other games. I want the Tales from the Loop and the new expansion they put out, which yeah. was, what's the new one called? It's um something from the deep or something
0: uh you know i don't remember
1: it's it's about coming up from the ocean in some way um and it looked really good and things for the flood yeah there you go and i bought the aliens rpg that's coming out um i pre-ordered that i got um a bunch of cool kickstarters are coming so definitely going to be seeing more gaming it's not just going to be dungeons and dragons though we still have as you can tell a full docket of dungeons and dragons goodness and i think for sure I'm going to run descent into Avernus for a, uh, for, uh, I can't even think um, I'm messing myself up the way I should say it. Avernus. Avernus. Yes. Avernus. There you go. Avernus. Avernus. <laughs> Avernus. I don't know. <laughs> Avernus. I'm pretty sure it's Avernus. <laughs> I'm going to run that one. So I've skipped over water deep. I've skipped over. Dungeon of the Mad Mage, I'm skipping over, though I really shouldn't because this Marsh looks really good, um, what what I've been reading of it. Um, I'm skipping over that one, and I'm going to jump back into released, campaign setting, adventure book, Wizards of the Coast, that one, and I'm going to run a group for that. So one through whatever that one's going to be, because I think that'll be super. I love the idea of D&D and Mad Max. I want to smash them together, so um be ready for that so that is about all i had for the week that's all that's going on the rest of this week is gonna be cleaning my pool oh that was the other thing i was gonna say i had my first day of swimming in my new pool yesterday i went swimming for the first time so the water was cold
0: but it wasn't so (laughs) bad
1: that you couldn't do it um and so yeah the swimming season has started that's awesome listen to that jordan
0: That's, that's our cue. Uh, That's our cue. (laughs) Well, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh...
1: (laughs) Let me mute it. Go ahead.
0: Uh, That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thank you so much for coming out and watching us, uh, the Saturday morning D&D show. If you would be so kind uh, to leave a like and a comment on the YouTube video and maybe even a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, wherever you get your podcasts, that would also be uh, wonderful. We would 100% appreciate that. Um, And with that, uh, guys, I have a new video on Wednesday that I'm so excited for. I've been editing it all weekend. I have to film some stuff today to edit an, an intro. Oh my God, You're, it's going to be so good. And I'm really excited for you guys to watch it. So, so watch the uh, Jordan uh, YouTube channel on Wednesday. I think I'm going to premiere it, which means that it will be a pre-recorded video that will go up live at like maybe nine or 10 o'clock um, PST. I'm not really sure yet, but um, yeah, it's going to be awesome uh my wife is in the chat wondering why we are not swimming right now so that's awesome exactly. thank you for watching my show my lovely wife um and with that guys we will be out of here and we will see you next week with another episode of the saturday morning dnd show goodbye everybody
1: Bye.